Okay, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, this is episode four of Malt Travail, uh, available on podcast and on YouTube. Uh, this is going out on the 11th of February, so obviously, depending on when you listen to it, uh, it is a very cold Thursday evening, not quite as cold as in Bremer, where apparently it was a record minus 23.8 or something last night, and mm. I'd normally be heading up there tomorrow, because we normally go skiing in half term, and there seems to be that much snow in Scotland, so it's a little bit of a shame, so I might have to make do with a frosty garden. So, um, we uh, everybody's with us again this evening, I just, I am kind of... Having listened back to this, obviously, I'm Mike. I think you kind of maybe mentioned that in the first one. Uh, I'm brother to Nick, uh, and Bruce is Hello. a long-standing friend of ours. Uh, I was reflecting, Bruce, I met you on the first day at high school, which was year seven in modern language. I reckon that was 1978, about the 5th of September, 1978. And we got sat next together in... Uh, I was. I did. I did remember the form name. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, in that room right at the top of uh, that, that wing... Uh, and there we go. That's it. So, uh, as we mentioned before, um, we are all from Moulton originally, or we sort of live most of our lives in Moulton. Well, I, I know you. Norton. <laughs> Norton and Derwent. All oh, right, you're in Norton and Derwent. Because um, I was say, what's this high school? That's American, isn't it? it Norton Comprehensive. Or not, Norton school. Secondary School. <laughs> high school. It's college now, anyway. Um, yeah. Bruce is based now based in York. Uh, and Nick is based still in Moulton because he's Norton on Derwent, right next to Moulton, right? Yeah. So, in this week's episode, well, we were going to uh do past pilgrimage, we thought we've kind of been setting the scene for the last couple of um podcasts, and we were going to start thinking about some of our, our best trips uh, as we plan for the future trips. Um, but tomorrow's when we started kind of writing down a few ideas, we just found that we were trying to if you like tackle too much and it probably end up being about an 11 hour podcast because you know nick talks a bit as well so we are going to split it over three weeks at least and in fact already in our little preamble tonight we've we've realized that we've we've missed off harrogate and nesborough so we perhaps need to do a separate one for them we've also got sheffield as another one that we could do manchester but we are hoping we, we are we are we are feeling spring-like and Obviously, a week on Monday, Boris is going to tell us the route map out of this, and we are planning that our first trips, and we were hoping that we can do something live and, and do the kind of podcast on the train road, will be to Sheffield and then possibly to Manchester, uh, hopefully in late spring, early summer. Fingers, everything crossed, really, to kind of get us there and work us through. So I think we're just going to do our normal kind of catch up and go through. Uh, Bruce, I hear, tried to drink some beer this week. Bruce, unfortunately, was um, struck down with the dreaded C19 over the Christmas period. Bruce, what happened? What happened, Bruce? Well, it was pretty grim, I can tell you. I did lose two stone for a pounder. Uh, I didn't lose, obviously. But yeah, sadly, all my symptoms have, uh, have left me now. The only thing is I can't taste a beer, a whiskey or a pie, which is there my hobbies. is causing me a few problems, really. But uh, yes, so I'm hoping that in the week or two, we'll be back to we'll try a beer. I understand you actually opened a bottle of, of Timothy Taylor's Bolt Maker, one of the, the nectar brews that we've talked about, and you tipped most of it down the sink, I guess. So let's like ben right drank it for you. Multi, multi, yeasty, purifying stuff. It's absolutely bizarre what it does to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, one in twenty. So again. we're hoping. Well, that's probably more reason that we get Bruce Sheffield. I'm sure he'll be, he'll be fully taste budded, beer budded, ready for whenever we get there. Nick, are you drinking this evening? Oh, I yeah. Um, got two on the line. So keeping it Yorkshire, we first one like you always do. I think last time I counted up, we had 160 breweries in Yorkshire. So if we keep going with the podcast for a year, um, 
<laughs> Drink it took me all. about th- three years to get a bottle <laughs> from each one. But then, in fact, I'm going to jump over the border with the next one. We have spoken about before, once upon a time, there was a Cameron's Brewery in Moulton. So I managed to pick this cheeky little one up in Morrison's. They were selling it off for some reason, 132 a bottle for a bottle of strong arm. So I thought, well, I'll give it a, a go because I haven't had strong arm for a while. I think they do serve it still in the New Globe in Moulton. Um, I think they still have it on the pumps there. But as I say, I can't remember if I've ever had out of the bottle before. So that's going to be my second one, uh, the classical strong arm. It's interesting that uh, on some of the other beery podcasts that I've been listening to, I've been listening to the uh, Sheffield Hopcastle. They're talking about maybe that kind of, I guess it's almost kind of a strong, bitter brown ale kind of combination. It's strong, it's ale, isn't it? Strong That's a ruby ale. ale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah ruby traditional, ale. very traditional. Yeah. yeah, they reckon that that might be making a bit of a comeback. Uh, and people get Ruby red ale, thing. they call it. It's uh, a yeah, 4.3. And I was. It had a totally unique taste, though, didn't it, Strong Yeah. Yeah, and it had that kind of nuttiness, and I always felt it mm. always felt a bit stronger than it probably was, certainly when yeah. it was on mm. cask, so that's interesting. So I've just finished off a uh, one of my beer towns that I mentioned last week, uh, Kodiak, which I think is their bestseller, which is a, a very nice kind of citrusy uh, pale ale. And then I've got another Buxton this week, like I mentioned those last week, um, Buxton Brewery. This is a more top pale in one of these little cans. And then uh, from one of my flavoury boxes, I've got a very aptly named Come On Pilgrim, which is from the Loch Lomond Brewery. And I do quite like some of their beers as well. And again, nice little can. And I think already we've had a bit of a spat before uh, we went on to record tonight about, about craft beers, which I quite like, and uh, Real Ale and Cask, which certainly Nick is uh, very much in that camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce hasn't declared an interest yet one way or the other. So yeah, you might, that's maybe another future, a future option for us as well. Now, just to, uh, so that's, so for the, again, sorry, I'll just explain this again. I've got to keep remembering that some of you will be on the podcast and some of you watching on YouTube. Uh, so we mentioned that we are going to split our pilgrimage, or our top three anyway, over the next three episodes. So this week we're going to talk, I've, I've kind of named it West of York, because it's quite a wide range, really. So basically, as you kind of leave, because we, as we mentioned with York, uh, Bruce being in York, we often kind of start there. That's how we kind of meet up, and then we kind of move mm-hmm. off. We mentioned Hull and the East Riding, or we mentioned Hull last week, but I'm going to expand that next week to the old East Riding of Yorkshire. Uh, and that will include their place like Beverly and Driffield as well, which are some interesting places there. And then, as we mentioned last week, we finished last week having a bit of discussion about the Trans Pennine Real Ale Trail, uh, which we mentioned we were doing that back in the mid 80s. Um, and we also look at Leeds there as well. Again, I'm still not sure. I think Leeds might need to be in a separate session yeah, as well, because that's another kind of mega beer place, isn't it? And Leeds, Bradford, the bits in between. Yeah. Leeds and Bradford, yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's been, I must admit, that's been the problem. When you start to kind of look at what's out there, as, as Nick was saying, all those breweries, especially in Yorkshire as well. And of course, we do need to make sure that we, we, we spread our wings a little bit wider. Um, so certainly, I mean, Nick, I remember our last trip probably together was St. Albans, which is quite a nice little drinking trip. A couple, about oh, a well. bit ago. And this, and we found HQ a camera, so yeah. they've got to get it right down there, haven't they? Uh, you guys were talking about last week, you know, going across to Carlisle and Preston, which again is another another thing we can we can maybe consider. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly I've been on my pilgrimage down to Devon and Cornwall the last couple of years as well. And I know Bruce, you were down there a little bit as well last, uh, last summer. So perhaps yeah. pick those up as well. Um, 
Uh, a new, I think we need some jingles for these. So uh, we uh, we just always want to start each podcast just a little catch up from the late uh, the week before. So I'm going to call this section "The Beer Was Talking" because obviously, certainly me and Nick we've had three four cans. Thank you for the. There we go. There's our jingle. That's the jingle. Um, yeah, a berry burp. We sometimes lose fact. As I think at the moment you're doing that anyway. Uh, in fact, I think we did quite well last week. My only poo bar faux bar last week was I kept saying that Congleton is in Staffordshire, even though it's kind of about ten miles from me. And it's not. It's actually in Cheshire. It's got a crew post go, but they can forget that. It's only just in uh, staff, uh, Cheshire, sorry. So just to make sure any people from Cheshire get upset, uh, Congleton is in Cheshire, only just. I think one bit of Congleton uh, is actually in Stafford. Anyway, forget that. I, I think that was it. I don't think there was anything else we boobed up last week, was there? We were yeah. we were on good form. Yeah. Um, so, beery highlights. Bruce has mm. probably not got any beery highlights. Have you know. been reading anything, Bruce, or listening to anything, or watching yeah, anything? I was looking longly today, actually, to my shopping Sainsbury's, and uh, it all seems so massively attractive, and you can't have it. All the wonderful labels and the little cans with all the colourful designs. <laughs> it's like a, a wonderful world waiting there that not access yet. Will there be craft beer cans, Bruce, you're talking about there? Yeah, they were actually. Boring brown bottles. Boring brown bottles with horrible old-fashioned labels. One swing and it's gone, a craft can. Well, well mine's boring quite nice at the moment. Uh, okay, Nick, beery highlights of the week. Uh, the weekend, I'm afraid, has to come to um, advertising another um, in, in uh, what, what, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, I'll cut it short. Uh, I had a takeaway curry on Saturday night. So obviously you have to drink lager with curry. Uh, couldn't get hold of any kingfisher. So I had a couple of bottles of Asahe. He, however you want to pronounce it, the Japanese brew and now on Fuller's. So it was all right. It was lager. Uh, and then I am afraid I also succumbed to the advertising and sponsorship of the Six Nations rugby. So I enjoyed a couple of cans of Guinness. I probably enjoyed the Guinness a lot more than I enjoyed the rugby because what an appalling performance it was. Uh, but yeah, a couple of cans of draft Guinness. And as I intimated last week, I don't tend to drink during the week. I look forward now to me Thursday. So I say I've got the bottle of uh, black sheep ale and uh, the strong ale lined up. Uh, in terms of other things, beery wise, uh, brew dog, uh, what, what was the term that most of the brewers are referring to in January? Try January, whatever it was called. Try January, yeah, we mentioned that. So now we've got February. Yeah, as far as Brewdog right. are concerned. So if you go in there, shop online, you can save between five and 10 quid on a case of their beers. Uh, they've got all their beers on there. And as I said, depending on how many you buy, you can save between five and 10 quid. Uh, well, you can be an equity punk and save that for a lifetime like I can. Anyway, that's another, that's another story. Yeah, they're, they're still offering their... their I think their last week, isn't it? They've got the shares on. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's last so. week, I think. Yeah. I think they've achieved going 88%. Going to France could be a mistake. The French don't like big cars. Yeah, we haven't got there yet, Bruce. We're going to come back to that in a minute. That's beer news. Hold yeah. your fire there. <laughs> and then uh, last week we were talking about how I, I don't like pubs rebranding themselves. Just it seems sometimes for the sake of it. Uh, just having to mooch through some of my local breweries. And whilst... I love Cropton, Cropton Beer, Cropton Brewery, formed in 1984. Um, those in the know will remember that they had a bit of a spat with uh, Sam Smith because they used a White Rose and I think it was a Yorkshire Warrior beer uh, that they did um, and donated to charity to, I think it was to um, uh, one of the um, military veterans. Uh, so Sam Smith took them to court and said he used a trademarked uh, symbol of ours. 
even though the white rose is used by everybody and anybody. Uh, I think it ended up that Sam Smith actually won the case, but I think they were both made to pay their own costs. So there wasn't an outright winner as such. So to stick two fingers up at Sam Smith, Cropton Brewery then decided to rebrand themselves as the Great Yorkshire Brewery. And their emblem incorporated everything that you could think of being Yorkshire. Cricket bats, whippets, flat caps, mm. um, ferrets, you name it. They stuck it on there. And even their bottles of beer, in fact, the beer caps on the bottles, it was great because they had little flat caps. I don't know if you only ever realised that, but they were like brown and black checked their beer bottles to represent a flat cap. So I thought, grand move, Great Yorkshire Brewery, but it now seems they've rebranded themselves C84 Brewing Co. C84 for, I think, obviously, when they established themselves in the first place, 1984, and C, I assume, to stand for Cropton. So when I came across C84 Brewing Co., brewing out Cropton, I thought, hang on, is this a new brewery? But no, it seems that it all leads back to the brewery behind the new inn in Cropton. Um, it seems that they're going to carry on doing their staple beers. And in fact, they're even looking to introduce some of their old beers. Uh, they used to do one called Monkman Slaughter, which once again was a darker, darker beer. Um, it's sort of they're intimating they're going to do a different brew each month. Uh, but once again, going down the craft route with uh, cans and, and graphics and all that sort of stuff, maybe appealing to the younger age group. But I just think when they've still got three brewery names on the go, it does make it very, very confusing. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, that's 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 my news, really. Okay, I think we better make, make a little uh, government announcement there. Obviously, these um, uh, what's the word in these uh, these thoughts and, and opinions are Nicholas's own thoughts, opinions, and, and and not and not Malt <laughs> um, I, Last time we were in there, I think the pub has really come on, hasn't it? And and yeah. we wonder about how that's worked because the pub was. I mean, when our last few times we've been, it's been really busy. Obviously, a lot of food or a lot of people food in a lot of tourists. It's always been popular food. Dogs as well. The yeah, dogs. but I remember the book I mean, going when me and you when we first started to go up there, it was a bit of a die, wasn't it, really? It was almost kind of, you're in a barn. I, I remember. No, it wasn't. It used to have cracking food. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So, right, well, I've had a few one, really. I've mentioned the podcast. I've been listening to quite a few of those. Um, uh, just, you know, just getting some ideas, really, and, and seeing what's out there. So I mentioned that um, Sheffield Hot Cast is, is quite a nice little one I've been listening to. Um, some really eerie uh, guys there have got a lot of knowledge. Uh, they've been doing some Valentine beer taste this week, which is quite nice. Um, and they had a, a, a bright red one, which showed it quite interesting. Um, and also listen to the Beer O'Clock guys. Uh, they've been looking at six packs, and this week we're looking at a German one as well. And I mentioned these guys, I've been doing, I've kind of, I've got half term coming up, so I've done a bit of reading, and I'm quite getting into, because I, I used to love going to, well, part of my beer trip would be always to lose these two and go into a second-hand bookshop. Um, and mm. currently I'm having to do that through Amazon, but the Amazon second-hand books is really quite good. And I've got, got some crackers this week. I've got Will Travel for Beer by Steve Beaumont, um, which is obviously, as it says, a global kind of global beer trips. And, but actually, it's interestingly, there's a load very similar to ours. The first one I opened, it was about Burton, and it's literally Bruce, exactly our trip in Burton. <laughs> Um, and and he's also the guy I think that yeah he's also the author of, or co-author of well that was a beer which somebody told me is a really good book to get um, so I'll be I'm on my beer in that course and I think that's one of the ones to recommend there so that's been really good doing that one and then just a couple of things for me um, I've signed up for the another tasting which is the uh, Hop Fuzz Brewery which is one I've never come across before uh, they're down I think in the southeast somewhere. 
uh, and they're doing a tasting night uh, towards the end of February. Uh, Taking part in these tasting events, and you've been able to begin to appreciate to be able to pick out the flavours within beers. Is it helping your palate? A little bit, yeah. And obviously, I'm kind of doing uh, this this beer with that course, which is taking you through. So you can, you can if you want to go for the Cicerone um, kind of beer sommelier level one, I think it is to start with. Um, it, it's to be honest, it's so it is quite technical. It is, you know, it's interesting how you get into it, really. Mm. Um, and I don't know, really, some of it I get, and then other times I just think, well, I can't taste anything in that beer. No, so, I, I think. I think it's so hard. I remember going back to Sotheby's that uh, one year, one of the guys there was setting up the beer festival and he sort of said to me, he says, oh, he says, oh, I need her help. He says, uh, I need to do some tasting notes for these beers. And I think it's, you know, unless you're attuned to that, it's very, very difficult to come up with tasting notes that basically aren't all the same. It's either yeah. sweet, yeah. it's, you know, it's dry, it's hoppy or, Multi. you know, and, and I, I, it was quite nice because I tried 10 different beers, but unfortunately, I wasn't much help to in, in create the, uh, the tasting notes there. Yeah, and it's interesting that, uh, I mean, some of the things on the beer in that course, it's about those styles, about, the, you know, those styles have been set up almost by the breweries, so that almost you, you're almost pre-thinking what you're going to drink, you know, that's that's why these beer styles yeah. were first introduced, you know, in the good old days, it was just ale. But obviously, mm. with the more modern cake, you know, so if you're going to taste a Saison, or a New England IPA, you're almost, before you even open the can, you're kind of already kind of thinking about what it's going to look like, what it's going to taste like, um, which I think, you know, is, is great. Um, so, yeah, I know, Bruce, you were thinking about that, but I think you were right probably at the moment because you can't taste bloody anything. There's no much point in doing a brewery tasting, so I'll perhaps just feed back on that one and, and see how it goes, really. Um, I noticed that, uh, again, I mentioned last week, signed up for camera for the Winterfest. I know they're still trying to flog the cider boxes, so if anybody's out there, that's the only boxes that you can still buy if you want to do the full package, and so I mentioned I'm just the five quid one. I and think these most... events so will get more popular. I already know. Um, uh, yeah. Like, and, use, and I think some of the big breweries are now thinking about, because uh, obviously it's all about revenue and keeping cash flowing in. Yeah. I won't be surprised if you see something along the size of Taylor's maybe doing that, you know. Yeah. Well, I should mention last week that beer town one. There was there was eighty five people on the on the on the thing, so it's great. Do you, do you want me to be controversial again? <laughs> well, there's, 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 why there's, change? There's, well, there's there's been discussions in camera for the last couple of three years whether camera should uh, incorporate uh, cider or not. Maybe the fact that they're not selling the cider tickets says something to them that yeah. are there really a lot of people in camera that are cider followers or are bothered about cider. Yeah. Well, those small cider um, place, you know, the, where they're making that, they're supporting local farmers, aren't they? It's a British yeah. product. Yeah, and, and I think they've got their own kind of, they have their own genre, a little bit, don't they? They've got their own uh, cider, cider, whatever it is. And um, I, I just, I don't mind, I don't mind the cider. I quite like it, cider. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, certainly uh, when I'm down the southwest, I drink a hell of a lot of cider. Um, and and again, a bit like beer, there's lots of different styles. One of those, isn't it, where you, you might taste a cider, oh, I don't like it. But actually, there's so many, and in particular, as Bruce and those farm ciders, they are all yeah. kind of flat stuff that gets you kind of loopy. There is some a real brand, and of course, they've got the Perry as well, which I quite I, I think probably sometimes I prefer a Perry, you know, the pear ones. Um, well, the Perry tends to be sweeter. In fact, historically, again, the Perry was for the farmer, was for the cider maker. It was seen yeah, as it, a superior cider. Well, of course, it was so a with, with the orchards. Yeah, yeah, with the orchards, yeah. they would be predominantly apple orchards. And they would have a small number of pear trees. Yeah. And I say the, the perrier would be for the, the manufacturer would be for his family and the cider would then go out. I think the last decent session of cider that I had was a Weatherspoon Cider Festival. 
Mm. And the problem I find with it, especially the scrumpy, the flat stuff, it's it's lethal. Yeah, because it's, it's six, seven, eight percent, yeah, yeah, and I'm drinking yeah. it in two gulps because yeah. it's flat, yeah. and it's like drinking apple juice. Yeah, and yeah. you know, all right, I'll have another one. I'll try that one. Try that one, and you know, all of a sudden, you've sucked three pints of eight percent in half an hour. Yeah, uh, because normally cider tends to be a bit more expensive. Once again, the festival, you know, especially with using the Weatherspoons vouchers, uh, makes it a lot more affordable. So I thought, yeah, yeah. give the cider a go, and then sort of not regretted it, but suddenly thought, well. You know, part of having a drink is to sit back and enjoy it and, and all that sort of stuff. And I can't really do with that cider. You know, uh, it's like drink it, sup it, and coffee thirst, and then try another one. I, and I don't think we've ever drunk cider on a beer trip, have we? I was trying to think. I don't think we have. Yeah, I've, had, yeah. I've had the odd one at a festival every now and then. I've gone and tried one. The rest of the has to mix it yeah. But I often, I like, I quite like the Aspinalls. If I see that, often when I'm, if I'm going out for a meal, um, and uh, maybe when I'm not drinking too much, and I just can't face a Doom Bar or an Abbott. Um, if they've got Aspinalls, I quite like that's quite a nice. Like, so, certainly quenches your thirst. I mean, yeah. When I was when I was working summer, um, yeah, there was an out nicer. Whilst we, you used to provide the transport. I won't mention where we worked, but we used to send you away with the first lot of transport. Me and uh, my gaffer, and we used to go to the bar, and we used to have about three pints of Strongbow. And that just used to go down so quick and so down. nice, yeah. nice and cold after a hot day working outside all day. And then you used to rock up and say, where is everybody? Oh, well, there's uh, only us too. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then the other one, we mentioned uh, Northern Monk quite a bit last week, obviously a brewery in Leeds. And again, I often just drop in on the Craft Beer channel on YouTube, which is a great channel. I think we probably aspire to be a bit like Johnny and Brad, who just seem to have a fantastic life and end up in all around the world, going to breweries, talking to brewers, and obviously getting loads of free beers. So that's always fine. <laughs> but really good. Dude. I think it's a couple, but I just picked up one that I presume was done last summer um, when uh, I think it was Johnny who had gone up to meet the some of the key brewers at Northern Monk, and that was really interesting because it, it kind of tied in what we were talking about, really. And obviously... They've got uh, the old flax store where they kind of kicked off. Oh, actually, it was interesting because they did say that on the documentary, they actually first they first started in in, in one of the, one in a garden shed, as, as often you know the story of of uh, most of these craft brewers, brewers, sorry, and actually started initially brewing at uh, Hambledon, which we mentioned last week, and we talk about them today. Nick Stafford, yeah. Um, mm. And, you know, w whenever they could get in, do some cuckoo brewing and then decided to go for it themselves. So they moved into the old flax store, did quite a lot of renovation there. Uh, it looks fantastic. I'm, I must admit, we, I haven't been, but it looks a great place to go and have a drink. They've, they've got some nice merchandise, actually. I was, yeah, I was looking yeah. at their website. The well, they've put a lot There's of things on design and, and all, yeah. you know. The, I had a kind of theirs last, last week, if you remember. Yeah, that's uh, right. Don't, yeah. Me don't mess with Yorkshire, which yeah. just is a very simple uh, beer label. Yeah. But then I was watching a I was watching a vlog and the guy had the t-shirt on and I suddenly thought oh you know That's... that'd be quite a nice t-shirt actually. Well, in fact, they've just done then they do an annual thing now where they've gone for homebrewers. Um, they they uh, get people sending their homebrew um, and they'll select one and they will then kind of pack it that commercially, put it together, brew it, and they also do the same for a local artist, uh, anybody again in the area to come up with a design and they kind of put it mm. together which is really nice really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. a bit like I, I kind of got the sense of a kind of a bit like kind of Yorkshire brew dog in, in a good way in that these guys are really all about you know the kind of locality about heritage uh, about sustainability about really making a difference not just by brewing beer but 
supporting artists and everything, which I thought was really good and interesting. They were talking about they've just now moved in to a, a bigger brewing plant in Leeds, Sydenham Road. Um, so they're only doing now their OFS projects. They're all flax um, uh, store kind of micro beers in the old brewery. They've also got a plan to open a brewery tap with a brewery attached in London as well. Um, and in fact, they've just done a crowdfunding and I think they raised 1.5 million. And in fact, they were saying that they raised half a million in two hours. Which is just, you know, and that's it. That's another, I think, I think we're going to see more of that. We've obviously talked about BrewDog already. I mean, they've raised, mm. I think, 19 million um, in this latest equity release. So it's, 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 it's about 88, 88% up to the target. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 2,000, just though, I think it was two, 2,168 subscribers rate paid one or, or committed one and a half million pounds. And that's meant they, they've been able to move to the brewery and, and do all things. That was fantastic. Also, they talked about landlord that they'd gone across to Timothy Taylor's and look, and they, they were honest and said, we don't do a bitter because we couldn't beat Timothy landlord. Why, why would we try and compete with? And if, if you would ask me what's the best beer to drink as a bitter, I'd say Timothy Taylor landlord. We said, we tried the Northern Monk Bitter. It wasn't any good, so we just stopped doing it. And that's mm-hmm. the honesty we talked about last week a bit, certainly when Bear Town were the same. So interesting, that one uh, was interesting as well. So let's go on to being you, Ben. Go on, Ben. That's uh, right, Bruce. Well, the Northern Monk branding's great. It's such a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, obviously, they seem to be... Obviously, they're, they're expanding the brewery, then they're doing quite well. And I think, you know, if you're able to buy... You know, place at quite large venues in London and do them out. It's amazing how, you know, money that's there. Uh, so being you, some of this is kind of picking up from last week. Uh, we talked about cans last week and interestingly in on the Thornbridge Brewery uh, website blog that they do, they talked about canning. You'd have a look at this, hadn't you, about the challenge yeah, yeah. of getting cans, yeah. which we, we touched on last week, didn't we? I mean, I think this hit America sort of middle of last year. Uh, brewing industry news over in America was that there were shortage of cans. So Thornbridge have nailed it down on their site, suggesting that in 2019, they put uh, their product into 2.6 million cans because of demand last year, they did 6 million cans. Now they're slightly fortunate in terms of, obviously they've got their own canning plant and they were probably one of the first to go into cans. So their can run, uh, is massive. They'll run seven, 700,000 cans at a time, which meant that they can buy direct uh, with their own labels printed on there. But because their main supplier of cans now has even come back and say, look, we can't supply you with the cans that you require, they're having to go to a middleman and uh, buy smaller quantities. And because of that, they're having to then um, put their own labels on. But they're sort of saying, look, you know, we're short cans, and yet there's these other smaller brewing companies now just got used to the idea yeah. and yeah. This is what's expected now because the cans, you know, they're, they're easier to stack. They're cheaper to transport. You know, glass is heavy. Um, yeah, it's dead space. And obviously when you put 12 bottles in a, in a box, you, you've got a lot of dead space where the decks are, whereas cans, you yeah. stack them all up. And apparently that's, that's a big yeah. thing when you're, um, you know, air freighting things overseas now. <laughs> we have yeah. To- well, even, even palleting them into the back of a van. Yeah. You know, if you've, yeah. if you've got a crate of cans, it's a lot easier to pallet those into a van. Uh, than it is, it's, it's bottles, and you can imagine your breakages as well. Okay, sometimes you get the odd can that's that's spiked or pierced, but you know, if somebody has an accident with a, a, a crate or a pallet of bottles, then there's a good chance you've lost it all. Like, so I think you can understand it, why the why the you know the demand has increased, but absolutely, yeah. Oh, they said it's not, again, it's, not it's, as, it's not as beer, is it? They were talking about it's the um gin and tonics and vodka and you know, all that range of yeah. 
ready mixed yeah. spirits as well in those slightly different cans. I think one or two breweries have been looking at doing those those you know those things. I think are they two fifty those thinner cans. Um, yeah. Again, I find the short. But you don't get you, you even get the mixers in bigger cans now. Yeah, yeah. Because once again, you know, it tends to be females that will drink that can, and now females want as big a drink as a as a as a male. So. And again, uh, we mix them two fifties. And again, that's Nicholas's own opinion, not uh, the <laughs> opinion. Um, hey, I know a few Yorkshire lasses. They mentioned that in that um, blog that I think Beaver Town were the first craft brewer that went completely cans, and that we talked that last week about that change where we suddenly started to see those three thirty cans coming in. Um, and they're actually they actually suggesting that thing they're going going to back to bottling beers, or you know they've got lots of bottles, or they've got they can get bottles at the moment. Um, which was interesting. Uh, we mentioned Brewdog. Uh, they announced this week that they're going to open a brewery in Lyon, or they're about to announce. I think they did a bit of a sneaky out, and then I know they had to withdraw because the landlord apparently in Lyon wasn't happy. But anyway, that's what they've gone out with now. Interesting. Uh, not a lot of detail on that yet. I'm guessing that may well be a Brexit thing because it means they can shift beer across Europe a lot easier. Um, and again, that seems to be getting bigger and bigger now. I think they've got a brewery. I think they have two breweries in Scotland now, don't they? The big one is at Ellen in Aberdeen. Um, and mm. then they have a brewery, a brewery in Hawaii. Hawaii? I don't know how we spell it. Uh, uh, Columbia, uh, which is interesting. We mentioned Heineken last week. And they, <coughs> this week, took in control of Brixton Brewery, which is, um, again, a brewery that's been around. I think they've had a bit of a stake in that for a while. And I know Bruce... You also said that at the same time, they've also announced quite a big reduction in staff, haven't they? Workforce. 8,000 uh, jobs to go worldwide, which is shocking, isn't it? There'll be a few worried people across all their businesses and pubs, won't they, really? But again, we did say, didn't we, last week, you know, I think they're blaming COVID, but it's one of those, well, a lot of their staff in the UK will have been on furlough. So, um, is it, again, just using this as a little bit of a stealth to kind of, de, you know, whatever, de declutter, I guess, <laughs> workforce or streamline workforce. Any brands will disappear as well. But, mm. uh, Automation, yeah. mass production, yeah. not bothered about the quality as such. It's just press a button and there it's made. And outsourcing brewing. Mass production. Whatever now, yeah. And then link, I guess link to it, that. In fact, Heineken, Heineken, in fact, are the only company, I believe, that have announced that they will be putting their prices up in April. All the other big brew companies have sort of said like, well, we're not going to until we know which way the economy is going. Heineken have said they will increase the prices on the draft products, but their can the packaged goods they're going to keep the price the same. Now, to me, that means they're putting two fingers up to landlords in pubs, uh, and they're more than happy to sell their product through the supermarkets. You know, let's keep the supermarket price the same. But it's as far as land, there's going to be a lot of pent up demand to go to the pubs, and obviously supermarkets, and they're going to take a huge hit as people go to the pubs. Probably sales of beer in supermarkets is going to really go through the floor, isn't it, for a couple of months, I suppose. Oh, I'm not sure, Bruce. I think, again, a lot of people are saying this, you know, I think people get in the habit now of drinking at home. And mm. as, as you just said, the range of the pub that the supermarkets are offering now, and, mm. and the, I think there's a worry about when will people feel confident in going back their boozers. We probably will. But I think a lot of people will still be a little bit, you know, do you want to go into a you know a noisy full place? Now I think again where we go, we probably don't you don't find that. But you know some of those city centre boozers where they do shove it, and of course you know that's the I guess that's part of the challenge. And and again I, I think it was in the Chef Hopcast today. You know they were saying this thing about brewery is not a 
sorry, pubs not being able to sell beer as an as an off sale. Probably it's because of those people in bloody London who were just going out on a normal Friday night, weren't they? As they do as they do all year round, you know, those pubs we've been doing, especially at kind of five o'clock, half past five. I mean, you can't get in the pub, you basically stand in the street and drink. Um, but you can't get to the door because no, you've got you've got rammed. twice as many people stood outside. Yeah, yeah. So much for um, licensing and and you know, but it, it's accepted. The rest of us are being, you know, are being a little yeah. kind of... Oh, absolutely. I agree that. with you. Yeah, yeah. Can't see yeah. why you can't sit in a beer garden and have a beer out in the outdoor, you know, as we did last yeah. time we went to the Fox, you know. It was great, wasn't it? We sat in the garden. Mm-hmm. There was a little they set, really well-organised set, a little hatch up, and kind of off you went, really. Um, and then just this... You would go to the pubs if the weather's great this summer. It was a rotten summer last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. get outside, it would make such a vast difference to... And then, hey, Bruce, I don't, I don't mind sitting in rain if it means you get a proper pint. <laughs> well, that's it. I, that's what everybody's saying. You just miss that cast drink, you know. And again, I was, you know, I think as I said last time, my last drink was something like the twenty fifth of October. Last bit of cask ale. Mm. Um, it feels like well, it is all, half a year ago getting there. Uh, and linked to that uh, again, just some figures this week from HMRC and I know Pete Brown, beer writer, was was tweeting this out that uh, four million less barrels were brewed and sold last year compared to 2019 and that's a 14.5% and cask really hit that you know that was it was cask that was hit by that and interesting again however on the other side wine was up by 6.4% and spirits up by 5.6% so it does like again beer is taking the hammer in um and you know again is that a supermarket thing i don't know now, people people on furlough, it's too easy, easy to reach for a bottle of wine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just... On the other slide, the fact that Heineken had taken over uh, Brixton Brewery because that's really interesting. The ramification that could be massive because if people are drinking craft beer because they're independent, and now you've got Heineken sort of cuckooing, you yeah. know, they've got to be masquerading but... as an independent brewery, but Heineken are behind it. People are, now, I'm guessing there'll be other people, other brewers who look at that. That's going to happen. And people are going to think, oh, hang on, who owns this? Who I think they already are, Bruce. And isn't this just like the Tesco's have that, what do they call it, the farm that they that is supposed to be a farm? But it's not a bloody farm. It's just Tesco's repackaging, isn't it? I think most of the supermarkets do that. And I got I got caught by that. I think I, I went to Aldi and bought some of their craft beers and then read the labels and they weren't brewed by craft brewers at all. They were brewed by Heineken and, and, and Inga Brew and whoever else. Um, and they've just been labeled as craft, bre- craft beer. So I think you're right. I think they're also noticing the craft beer, you know, that whole genre is massive. Uh, and and though, you know, because up in Newcastle, I mean, we've got like one in York, Spark York, a shipping container places like, you know, trendy uh, food venues, little bars, uh, but the one in Newcastle is called uh, Stack, and it's like a much tidier version of uh, ours. I was a very low budget. You think, crikey, this is great, and it appears to be a, a lot of independent businesses, but actually when you walk about where you realise that every beer in every unit is high, it's a Heineken product, you know, it's Heineken, yeah. Red Stripe, et cetera, et cetera. So all their brands, and actually you can see Heineken have financed the entire thing, but it looks like just mm. a lot of Containers, so I think Andy can be coming really adept and sort of a- again. That's that Willow Farm Tesco thing, isn't it? You know, you think you're buying local food when so they're just a couple of little fun things again. Um, at the Brighton pub where is it the hand in hand, um, where the landlady's trying to work out how to get beer to customers. So she's built a mini a mini pub, the, the absolute copy of the pub, on a little bike trailer which she bikes around Brighton and hands out the beer to the, the lovies down in Brighton, which is quite nice. I'm, again, not. 
don't think I've ever been to Brighton actually. It must be I'm going on those my takeoff list because again I, I hear it's got a really good um, yeah. pub scene. And then again, the other announcement which ties in very nicely to last week and I guess this week as well was the Good Beer Guide. We spent a lot of time last week in last episode talking about the Good Beer Guide and Camera announced I think uh, yesterday that they are going to publish a 2022 Beer Guide. There was some doubt about that obviously with, beer, with the pubs being shut. And they must have been listening to our podcast because they have accepted that it's quite a big guy. The last year's guide was massive. Also, there were the, the pressure on local uh, uh, local groups having to put all that information together. So they're going to reduce it by twenty percent. So I think somewhere it's, I think it was four thousand entries rather than six and a half, seven thousand entries. So as we said last week, it's getting quite a, quite a big a big bit. Mm-hmm. But that's good news because we did say last week that we quite like the good beer guide to work it through. Now, we talked about Burton last week, and we did say that it's a similar tale, I guess, of once great brewing empires slightly slightly declining, and as we mentioned, some of those the big players coming in. And and we mentioned last week Molson Coors, a, a kind of big element in Burton now. And obviously Yorkshire, Tadcaster is the kind of the, the, uh, the, like the northern version or the Yorkshire version, I guess, of, of uh, Burton. So Tadcaster, what's happening in Tadcaster? What's been happening in Tadcaster? Well, of course, I imagine everybody quite really got news from Heineken, weren't they? Although it's such a massive part of their um, brewing network now, we imagine it's pretty safe. Uh, it's, but actually, it's still second only to Burton in terms of a ruined town, isn't it? In terms of size now, in terms of the volume of beer coming out. Well, you've, uh, you've got three distinct breweries, haven't you, Bruce? Well, actually, you've got, you've got Sam Smith's, John Smith's, and the same Molson Coors that used to be uh, Bass. Um, I mean, everybody knows about John Smith's. And John Smith's and Molson Coors, they were basically in the same stable, aren't they? Uh, no, no, they're totally separate now. Yeah, yeah, they have no right. connection, have they? I mean, Heineken. I mean, I mean, John Smith's brewery is now. It was, it was it's Heineken, effectively. Heineken mm. or John Smith's, because they bought the Scottish Newcastle, didn't they? Um, and then, of course, to say we know there's all the lagers being produced up there at uh, the old Bass Brewery. I've not been to Taddy for a, a year. I don't know if the uh, the uh, Triangle's still there or not. I say I hope they're not taking it down because they're a real distinct brewery. But I mean, by far and away, the most interesting thing about Tadcaster is Sam Smith's, you know, Sam Smith's is a fascinating company, uh, shrouded in mystery, got this um, gentleman who owns it, Humphrey Smith, you know, he's a stuff of local legend, and I mean, I'm not just saying that, but I mean, if you ever come to Tadcaster drinking, to hit off some of their pubs, if you just sit quietly in a corner and listen to the conversation, is the sole topic of conversation in their pubs. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we do go through a little bit. We just say, listen, and all anybody talks about is Humphrey Smith. And of course, with him come a lot of uh, urban myths and things. But interestingly enough, tonight, I was uh, uh, just taking a quick glance at uh, my phone. And, um, you know, some Smiths have over 200 pubs. And you keep finding ones you don't know there. And there's one in um, Grenaside near Sheffield, the Cow and Calf, and if you actually look at it, it looks absolutely fantastic. It's like, um, it looks like a series of old, old farm buildings. And actually, it's a Sam Smith's pub. Uh, you know, you have to see, only he would keep his place going, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But sadly, he went last October uh, to pay a visit and um, ask for uh, his favourite uh, chocolate fondant pudding uh, off the menu. Now, apparently, and I say apparently, we don't know the fact, but this is from the Sheffield Star. They, uh, they couldn't offer him his chocolate fondant pudding 
because uh, they didn't have a freezer. And because he couldn't give him it, he gave the landlord a notice and sacked them, I say, as reported in the Sheffield Star. But that's pretty <laughs> typical of some of the things that you hear about Mr. Smith. Having said that, you know, I mean, the man aside, you know, it's just uh, fasc- endlessly fascinating. Uh, hey, Bruce, we love his pubs. Oh, yeah. yeah like we know, no mobile phones, no tablets. Interiors are fantastic. We know when we go down to London, we know where to find the pubs. Cheap pint. Did you know also he's got 11 hotels? Oh, that's yeah, something yeah, yeah. I found out. Absolutely. I mean, he's in York, okay, that's one of his hotels. Yeah, knew, knew about the one at Harewood, but uh, he's got one down at uh, near uh, Richmond Park, down there on the Thames. He has, yeah, it looks lovely. That was reading up on. So, the irony is, I was thinking, there's not actually, I can't think of a really good pub for really either brewery as, as they were. You know, they don't have, there's no brewery taps, is there in Tadka? I can't think of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right yeah. off the Angel is next door yeah. to the brewery. I mean, you go for a drink in the courtyard of the uh, the, the White Horse, and actually, he's got two drays there. Yeah. The horses. You can actually see the drays. That's technically That's the tap, is it? That's not, te- I mean, I know it's the closest pub, but yeah, but I, mean, I never felt that was the. the it the does serve as a tap. tap. Mm. Uh, I mean, and know, then John Smith didn't really have a tap, did it? And I think, again, uh, if you worked at uh, John Smith's uh, traditionally, when you're in Retired, uh, they opened up um, uh, a bar for the for the retired people twice a week, about three yeah. hours, uh, and you I think they allowed about four pints each. And of course, this was right. in these guys' diaries and meet each other. Fantastic perk, and sadly, uh, yeah, got your Newcastle that way. That was now, if, if you, you'll, you'll agree, Bruce. If you want to pacify your missus who don't necessarily like going to these traditional pubs, take us the white horse in Tadcaster, and then let's say the horse is outside. Yeah, because they always they've always had white white. I don't know whether the Shire horses or uh, what's the other big horses called Clydesdales, yeah. but fantastic yeah, horses, and they actually still use them for delivery, don't they, Bruce? They do. In, in fact, yeah, it does he delivers beer uh, once a week uh, with the drays? And since lockdown, because Mister Smith owns a huge farm as well, he's also been uh, uh, alongside his bottle of beers, taking um, uh, potatoes and vegetables. Uh, right round all around Tadcaster, selling direct to people's doors. So, you know, he's really great service. You know, uh, he's a strange figure, and we could talk about him forever. And I suppose going forward, we'll have to touch on their pubs. I mean, obviously, uh, there is a ban on electronic phones and uh, laptops, so showing you could be difficult. Televisions, radio, <laughs> jukeboxes. <laughs> And of course, they have been great value, haven't they? I know we've they put the prices up yeah. for COVID, but traditionally they've been cheap, probably the, sometimes cheaper than Weatherspoons in, in quite a lot of areas, certainly, you know, yeah. the northern side of the country. I mean, the reality yeah. is, they are some of the most underrated pubs in the country. Yeah, yeah. I've sat and, in the- sorry, but and we said that, and often you don't even know it's a pub because it doesn't yeah. allow any external signage apart from just the one sign, which is the name of the pub, but no. Yeah. But so Tadcast was only a two pub town, though, wasn't it? It, it was Smith's and Smith's. So I, I can't. I don't know of any other brewery. Because obviously, we, at Burton, there were literally, I think, at one point, literally a hundred breweries. But well, going, we... going back, going back to the sixties, what's what? What is the Tower Brewery, which Molson Coors bought? That was that was uh, owned and run by Hammonds for a while. But in fact, the Tower Bridge, the uh, Tower Brewery, originally it, it was founded by a, I think he was a farmer in the mid eighteen hundreds, and they were brewing in York, and then they outgrew their site in George Street. So they moved and set up a brewery in Tadcaster because obviously Sam Smith was already there. It's the quality of the water again. It's like Burton. Yeah, we'll say the it's water. Call it the water. Yeah, spring, isn't it? So spring. he established the brewery in Tadcaster, and I can't remember what his name was. And then it was a group of philanthropists who bought it towards the back end of the 1800s. 
And then as I say, come round to about 50s and 60s, then Hammonds took it on. Uh, Hammonds of, they were originally based in Bradford, were they? Uh, and then obviously um, it was then changed hands and then eventually that's most of course. Because I've always wondered why it's called the Tower Brewery. I mean, there's a bit of a 1950s, 1960s, little bit of a tower block there, but that that isn't the reason why it was called the Tower Brewery, I don't think. No, but a lot, uh, a lot of those breweries, Victoria, had the towers like we saw we saw at uh, Burton last week, where you've got you put all your all your raw stuff went to the top of the tower, and then basically everything was run by. Yeah, gravity, no, I think so. it, I think it did back because if you look at the old old beer clips from that period of the fifties and sixties, it shows like an old ramshackle medieval tower. So whether there was a medieval tower originally on the site there or whether it was referring to one of the towers in York or what, I don't know. Because they reckon it only got its tower brewery name when it moved out um, of, of York into Tadcaster. So whether there's still a tower there somewhere, I don't know. But uh, so that, just, that's history uh, of that. I've just checked actually Molson Coors. Molson Coors actually brew Haspel cider. There was me thinking it was some little traditional uh, uh, <laughs> Suffolk cider. It's actually one of their key brands, Haspel. So again, it's uh, I think I might be called Aspel's, on which are very posh handbags. Uh, but like you said, I think you know what I think. Again, we need to kind of probably visit because they both the breweries do brewery tours, and it might be nice to kind of have a day there and maybe try and do both tours in one day and then. Like said, yeah, yeah, because most of do, 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 do a then do a Sam's as well and see how no, they don't do brewery tours anymore. But it says on here they do, it says the website they do. What, John Smith's? Yeah. I think you're getting an invitation from a pub, I'm thinking. Uh, no, causebrewerytour.com, it's all there. Yeah, I don't know how much it is, I'll have a look for us in a minute. Um, because again, I don't, would you recommend going to Tadcaster for a drink, apart from being in a brewing town? There's not a pub that stands out for me i wouldn't say well, i think I, I accept the, the sam's one because i um i remember from rugby we used to call him one of the main road on the right hand side but well, the little know, crossroads. Yeah, yeah the little, little lads a lot of the lads at rugby wouldn't drink sam smith they didn't like it because it, it has mm. got quite a, a particular that's probably why he's first started drinking sovereign because obviously that was their kind of keg slightly stronger Beer, wasn't it? Sovereign. The White Horse is a lovely pub. It's been a sort of you know renovated construction, and the, the Royal Oak that you're on your table has a has, I've ever had the biggest Rari Barry in winter. Yeah, very, very much unspiral. That's a cracking. Yeah. yeah. What's What's the Broken Bridge like, bro? Because once again, that was a bit of a because obviously when uh, Tadcaster flooded about two years ago and the main bridge in town got wrecked, uh, Humphrey wouldn't allow the council to put a temporary bridge upon his land. So is it is it Thixtons or is it Black Sheep that have that? And they actually renamed it, I think, as a bit but of a... Leeds Arms, in it? I mean, I've only ever been to Sam's Street's pubs in Tadcaster. I thought, well, you know, why would I do anything else? But they never looked... Right. Well, that, that is on the other side of... That's the other side of the town, isn't it? And yeah, I say, yeah. about the same time that happened, they actually changed the name to the Broken Bridge, hmm. um, the name of the pub. And I, I wonder whether that was the brewery. say it's like the Thixtons or Black Sheep, I think, just having a go at, uh, at Sam Smith's for, you know, not... Not being nice at the time, people. Again, such, I think but... the other problem, because it hasn't got a railway station. It had a railway station many years ago, but it doesn't have a railway. Mm. So again, I guess the coastline of bus. Coastline of bus, yeah. yeah. But you know, we're back to railway. I think if it had a railway, again, oh, it would be one of those two, two. You know, Leeds, Taddy, York would be great, wouldn't it? And then of course you can get the bus to where uh, Boston Spa. Boston Spa is a, a mm. great, very affluent. I think there's two Samsung pubs in Boston Spa. Yeah. Uh, the Weatherby, the crowning Weatherby, absolutely fantastic for roaring fire. Uh, yeah. Full of, full of uh, Robert Thompson furniture as well. The crown, mm. right? Well, it's uh, supposed to be a very, this supposed to be a very traditional historic pub in, uh, um, is it Weatherby? 
That is the crown, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because of time, guys, we better I think we're still on the bloody first section. We've <laughs> talked about well, we have talked yeah. about some towns. Now I've just I've just thought we before we kind of go any further, just whether we need to probably just have this debate really, um, about weather spoons. Because I've got a lovely picture here of of, of uh, our our great uh, leader and the great leader of weather spoons obviously sharing a pint together. And and you know, well, I think there's they're always both of them very good for a photo opportunity. And I guess I don't know, we've kind of touched on weather spoons a few times before haven't we and i guess it's a i don't know a bit of a love hate and i think our view is often weather spoons is a safe place often in quite a few towns you know you know what you know what you're going to get it's a bit like travelodge or premier inn i guess you know what you're going to get um some of them are really really good some of them are really really bad um yeah. i think we'd all like we'd all agree that trying to get a beer sometimes is a nightmare in weather spoons you know mm. the, there's no queuing etiquette in a weather spoons pub uh, and they just don't that, that, care about that, do they? That was the best thing that happened with COVID. I had the number one table service. Yeah, true. Or yeah. be- before table service came in, they established queuing lanes in all the pubs. Yeah. And I was often saying to the guys behind the bar, oh, this is one thing that you'll carry on doing. Because, yeah, it's not it's not the staff's fault. That's that's the thing with Weatherspoon pubs. The bars are so bloody long and massive. Long, yeah. Having worked behind the bar myself in a number of different pubs, with the best one in the world, it's very difficult to know who's next. And especially if you've got your regulars, your locals in there, even if you're working behind the bar and they're paid in the ass, you appease them because, you know, you're just going to get grief for the rest of the night. But then obviously as a stranger going in there and it's obvious, hang on, they're serving the locals, but they're serving me, automatically gives you a bad taste in your mouth and needs to say, like, I'm not going to go in there again. But as I say, it's not necessarily the, 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 staff's, the staff's fault. And I think the bars, I mean, I would say, again, was work behind bars, they don't seem to be that well organised. I mean, they've got a massive range, let's be honest, they've got a massive range, haven't they? I mean, they do mm. cocktails to draft, to keg, to craft, to bottles, to wine, to coffees, and you know, and, and, and staff seem to spend all the time kind of walking from one in the bar to the other. They're not really, but that maybe the size of them. But I think... Well, the, till, the tills as well, you know, it seems that they're assigned to one till, and they might be serving at one in the bar, but in order to pay, they've got to walk all the way to the end of the bar to sign with that till, come back, get the money off you, then go and bring you your change. And like you say, it's ergonomics. Yeah. You know, you would have thought a guy like Tim, with his ability to, to build such an empire, you would have thought he would have sat in his own pubs and seen this. And, and why have we got this rule where a staff member has to sign on a particular till? Why can't he use any till that's Well, like you say, I think, that, I mean, to, I, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd go in. Weatherspoons quite regularly. I've never been to the bar in Weatherspoons for I would think over a year and a half. I just mm. use the app these days, especially now they have they have listened and they put the beers on the app or they put the you know they used to get one or two beers on there. Yeah, um, I the think, guest the guest beers. Yeah, I think the other thing is that we we've always found where you've got a long um, standing landlady, landlord, bar manager. Um, they tend to be the better ones. I guess they get a lot of churn of staff as well. And I think that's part of the issue that they have so many staff coming, you know, often very young staff coming and going. I think the best ones that I could think of are probably when you go back, you've got the same face in, in, the, in that bar, you know, all the time. And I think wonder whether that has a, that's part of the secret. I know the one in Hall, you've always said, um, had a very long standing uh, landlady and landlord. Yeah. And, and, or bar landlord. Managers, bar yeah. managers, aren't they? Well, three, three John Scotts. You should have been taking it face value, really. I mean, I've been to Weatherspoons all over the country. I, mean, I remember I got sent to South Yorkshire on work years ago, and me and friend uh, went to the one in Wathon Dern, and it was like a proper locals pub. The yeah. staff was lovely, you know, food was red art, there was a great range of beers on. Um, and I think sometimes, I think the better Weatherspoons are in some of the uh, more deprived areas, really, which is some of the hull. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, one of the, I mean, I have to say, what is it bizarrely, 
Some of those in London are absolutely fantastic, of course, aren't they? Where they keep them. The one uh, in, and that's to be honest, some London. of them are fantastic buildings, aren't they? And you've got to give the the company, you oh, yeah. know, the, the their benefit. They they take over some some buildings which would just probably drop to pieces because nobody else would have them. Oh, would be, they? be pulled down, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or just be left derelict with boards up that side. Yeah. Uh, they do have great beer festivals. Uh, they do. You, you can normally get at least two or three local beers, uh, as well as some nationals as well. Uh, yeah. I think the beer is can be very up and down. Again, I think we you've got guys who or ladies who know how to keep beer. It's great, but you, you can get some very flat pints and lots of weather spoons, or they're not pulled right. But then, there's no, then it's, there's no there's no argument. If you get a bad pint, I've never had a well. If I'm about to take a pint back to weather spoons. They've never argued. They've changed it straight away. They've never inquired it. Yet other supporting real ill pubs look at you as if you don't know what you're talking about. And hang on, if I throw that away, that's that's going to be a quid and a half, two quid of my profits gone. Occasionally, it'll begrudging they'll change it. Or often you'll get, oh, there's nothing wrong with it, mate. And then straight away, you will, we're not coming back here again, you know. Whereas one of the spoons, once again, that is a policy that Tim must have put in place. Anybody ever complains about the beer, it doesn't matter whether it's right or not, just change it. Yeah. And as we said, they do a cracking breakfast for three pound forty nine or whatever it is, which you can't really go wrong, can you? It's cheaper than making it yourself, I always think. I don't um, like bacon, I'm sorry. So are we are we saying then that when we talk about our towns and our and our thing, I think we've been honest, we we will we we will have been to Weatherspoons on our trips. They're not always the first choice, but often again they're quite close to stations, they're quite, you know. Um, and certainly if you're in a city centre and you're maybe halfway between, uh, often pub is a bit more further out. So yep. I think we, with a normal caveat, take it as you, as you get it. Um, but I think we will, we'll, where we think it's worth going to, then we will recommend them. That sounds Just extraordinary. You've got to like the Weatherspoons in Harrogate, which is absolutely stunning, the old Winter Garden, which mm. is amazing. Yeah. And they yeah. keep it in perfect condition. And it's yeah. almost, you know, re re revisiting the working museum. And when I say that, which is an amazing experience, and then you've got the uh, I had misfortune to go to Weatherspoons in Penzance last year, and which was a converted shop. And God Almighty, that was a rough experience. Mm. Uh, Nick, you mentioned one in St Albans last year, which last last week, which again is almost like a yeah. dive barn, isn't it? And then yeah. um, I remember the, uh, the one in one by the Time Bridge is really nice as well. That's some old custom house, very old building, yeah. you know, under yeah. the Time Bridge there, which is another. Uh, Pretty crack, and then we mentioned the cinemas that we've got. Cinemas, uh, one in Colwyn Bay, or is it like Clandundo? That's a yeah, Clandundo, and then one in my town is a one is a, an old post office, which again yeah. I would have just fall to rack and ruin. And it's quite a nice space now. So let's let's get on to West of York. Uh, as we've said before, trains often are our kind of first choice of travel, and we've talked some reasons behind that, mainly to do with availability of toilets. Um, the Wharfdale line is one that we often have taken, and that takes you from either Leeds or Bradford. By uh, have you gone the Bradford Way, Shipley, Bailden, Geisley, Berlin, Wharfdale, the, the fantastically named Ben Ridding, which I always think is completely wrong end of the country, isn't it? It's so, yeah, yeah. Like something uh, yeah. lay districtly or Scottish, and then and then ends at Ilkley, which is a nice little station with a booth. Well, all of the high street must be the most central railway station, yeah, country. yeah. Uh, and then similarly on the other line, you've got the leads to uh. Uh, Harrogate line, and then the one that we tend to use the most is that I think it's a metro line, is it? That goes Leeds, Kirkstall, uh, Shipley, Saltair, Bingley, uh, Keithley, and then finally to yeah. Skipton, yeah, which is the, probably the one that's probably the one we've used the most, I guess, isn't it? That, yeah. that line there out towards Skipton, uh, it's quite, quite, quite a nice line because it follows the river air, also follows the canals for a way as well. So, 
Skip doesn't want a dead end, is it? You don't bit of scenery. You can, you can go on from Skip. No. Or is it a dead end? You can then either go on to Settle, Giggles right. Record. Yeah. No, you yeah. can then Preston, that would mock them, that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, Canforth, you know, famous railway uh, junction, Canforth. So again, all of these come out of Leeds, which is where I we just, probably end up. From just crack the strong arm, lads. Do you recognise oh, the colour? Ruby. That Ruby. Color, yeah. You can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the other towns we'll talk about, uh, well, mainly we'll talk about Thirsk and Ripon today. Um, we might mention North Ellerton and uh, Harrogate. Unfortunately, again, the beaching cuts in the <sighs> 1930s, whatever it was, um, that was another Tory government with a... Um, dodgy contracts for uh, all getting backhanders from road builders and suddenly they closed the, all the railways down. And now, Michael's opinion, of course, and nobody else <laughs> And now, of course, they're going to reopen all the railways and, re, and bring trams back to virtually every town and city, yeah. apparently. Um, so, unfortunately, there's no railway out that way, but you can get the Dales and District uh, coach buzz, which is quite useful as well. So, I thought we'd start with kind of the northern bits, and I've, I've, I've referred to it as the Shire, because it is a little bit kind of uh, back in the sticks, isn't it? And our first kind of just roundup is Ripon, Thirsk and Massam. Um, I guess we've done these probably individually. Rather yeah, these are done by cars. Really. Um, yeah. Obviously, Massam's quite a nice transport runner. Because Transland have the bus that goes uh, from York to Ripon. There's great links to... Uh, um, I've got to... Actually, you've got a Thirsk on the train, get the bus to Ripon, then up to Massam. You could probably stop at Middleham as well. Yeah. And then we continue to Richmond. There's probably a great five, uh, five town beer trip through there, isn't it? Though the pubs in Richmond are as great as you think it might be for such a lovely town, really. Yeah. And then Ripon and Thirk, obviously, got the race courses. So, again, I think they do quite a good trade. So, you've probably got slightly more pubs than you'd normally expect. Um, and of course, I was reading about Massa, and the Massa's only got a thousand people living there. It's got two probably world renowned <laughs> breweries, you know, with Black Sheep and Thigstons, uh, mm. which are literally a spit from each other, aren't they? They literally are a yeah. yard of ale apart. And of course, the famous story of Paul Fleeks and the Black Sheep of the farm. I, I, I think that's a bad thing, actually, because he didn't want to sell out to Scottish Newcastle, which I think is, is very good of him, and set the brewery up. And I don't know, I would imagine now that Black Sheep probably out brew and, and outsell. Thigston's. Um, Thigston's has now gone back into the family business um, once Scottish Newcastle got broken up. Um, in fact, and we've got two Weathers pubs here. So we've got the uh, Unicorn in Ripon, which is on the square, which is quite a nice place, isn't it? And I know, Nick, you often a regular haunt of yours. And is it the Three Tons in Thirsk, isn't it? On the, again, on the marketplace. Yeah. Um, and next yeah. to the Golden Fleece, which is probably where I probably would go first, although that's a bit hotel now, isn't it? Well, the one I'd write in all Hallowgate and Ripon's probably one of the best 100 pubs in the country. It's a traditional pub. It's got a roaring fine winter, got a fantastic beer garden. Good beer, yeah, and a good good selection of beers, doesn't it, as well? A long-standing landlord on a Saturday afternoon, they pull down a TV and show the horse racing on his Spartan terrestrial TV. That's a cracking pub. And, and again, a... both of these places have traditional markets, don't they? And, and most oh, yeah. of these pubs are on the marketplace. Mm. And they are probably, you know, a traditional, like a, a proper market, where on a Saturday, you know, everything stops and the, they take over the middle of the town and you can just about drive through them. But, you know, and they are big markets. They're not just the kind of you know, whatever they get these days, you know, closed stall and a guy selling mobile phone repairs. Um, they're proper markets with good reds. And actually, last time we've, I've been to both of them, uh, quite a few beer sales and cider mm. sales and, you know, honey and stuff and obviously butchers and good fish, good fishman who goes to both these uh, uh, Booth supermarket in Ripon as well that always have an excellent selection of real ales on. Uh, good prices as well. 
So if you come across a booth supermarket, then uh, it's always worth having a look in there. So I think our recommendations are, if you're ever in Thirsk, um, look for the Three Tons, which is the Weatherspoons pub on the marketplace. Next to that is the Golden Fleece, which that used to be a Hambledon pub. I guess it's not. I know they, they normally have Hambledon beers in there. I don't think it's a tied house or anything. Um, uh, and then in uh, Ripon, it would be the Unicorn. Again, the Weatherspoons pub. And as Bruce mentioned, the One-Eyed Rap there as well. In Massam, now there's a King's Head, Nick. Is that, is that a Black Sheep pub? No, that's um, okay. it's it's uh, Mitchell's and Butler, and that's a big again quite a big pub on there. They have the, they have the full range of fixings on. They have yeah, a black right. sheep one as well. Yeah, so yeah, you can sample all the fixings in there. And then just uh, off the marketplace is the Bruce Arms, which is only I've had a few yeah. drinks in there, which is quite nice. Uh, and that's behind that very nice toffee shop, sweetie shop, isn't there? Nice sweetie shop in uh, Massam as well. Farris, Massam yeah. always feels got it's a bit of a letdown really. It's a lovely kind of little town, but I don't know. Yeah, that market to... hasn't got many shops in it, has it? You know, you, you expect more shops and things in there. But um, and then, of course, the brewery, you've got the bistro and the bar, bar in Black Sheep, which again, I think yeah. is quite a nice place. And now with Thigston's, it used to be the White Bear, it used to be the tap, which is the pub literally as you drive into the brewery and mm. famously has got a stuffed polar bear. Um, it's not over the bar, is it? it used to be over the bar, it's kind of one side now. But that's now a four-star hotel, and they do do the beers. But um, but then there's the Black Bull in Paradise, which is now the Feastons Tap as well, and I think that's well worth a visit. And both of those breweries are little, lovely little breweries, very old, very traditional. Well, no, Black Sheep isn't traditional, but I think it still feels traditional. Um, and normally good beers. Again, as we said last week, taste fantastic because they're almost straight from the. Room black sheep are in the brewery's stream. Actually, I've spoken to a couple of landlords and uh, they say black sheep's a really difficult beer to keep, you know, it's incredibly mm. lively. It's mm. pretty, it's, it's a hard the, the bistro's good because you can go in, they've got the shop there, obviously you can have something to eat, or you can just go in there for a beer. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of the brewery taps as such, I remember we went to um, uh, Jennings in Cockermouth. Uh, me and the other half went in there and sort of walked into where the tap was and she said oh are you here for a tour and i said well no i said i've done the tour before i've just come in for a drink she said oh well we're not really uh able to just let people have a drink and she looked me up and down looked at our last and said oh i don't think you're going to cause us any trouble like so yeah you're all right having a drink like which was a bit weird but whether that's something to do with their licensing what i don't know whereas a black sheep you can rock up there you can go straight into the facility into the visitor center area and they say, you know, under no obligation to take a tour or to have a meal, you can simply go in there and have a drink like. So that's that's the nice thing about the, the Black Sheep. And again, you don't you can... have to get past any turnstiles or any ticket offices or booths to be able to go and go and have a drink like. And again, you could do one of those flights, can't you, there as well? I think last time I went there, I actually... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, they, I... Were one of the, they were one of the first people to introduce us. To be honest with you, yeah. You do tend to just have uh, black sheep going out the bitter, but I mean, I think Rig, Rig Welter, Ram, Ram Tam, I think I know they've got, they've got a few more now, haven't they? Got a few more just yeah. looking now. They've got a, they've got black a few sheep, ale, golden, crafty, haven't golden they? Golden well. sheep. And as you mentioned yeah. last week, they're also doing Terrier Guzzler and Minster Ale again on behalf of York or mm. uh, as part of York as well. Yeah, well, the they, orange, are, they are York. The Orange Stout is one I would like to try at some point. I've never had the Orange Stout. I'm just looking there now, the your chocolate orange yeah, stout. I've not come across that. Um, I've got a pop-up shop in York, actually. Um, I think we're still closed currently. 
but I think that's got a visit the range. Should mention actually when you're ripping it, it'd be very remiss to mention that if you've got the one-eyed rat, there's a cracking fish and chip shop directly to its left. <laughs> Great example of a proper Yorkshire fish and chip shop. They still use a beef dripping. So if you go there on a cold day and you've not had beef dripping batter before, what you'll find is that all of a sudden your fingers will get encased in a, a white substance that'll then set hard and takes loads of washing off. Your fingers what, happens, get... what happens if you're a vegan, Bruce? Well, yeah. Anyway, talk, talking about chocolate fish. orange stout, remember my Black Forest Gatto at Christmas, bros? Oh, going, yeah. back to, going back to Sam Smith's pub, that was a bottle of Sam Smith's chocolate stout, and they do a wild cherry beer bottle. Yeah, so I do. bought two bottles and mixed it together. That was a Sam Smith's cocktail, that was. <laughs> yeah, Black Forest Gatto cocktail. Right, let's, let's Sam Smith's. come down a little bit in the Dales, and we're now going to be look, calling into Ilkley and Otley, which sound very close together, but actually they're quite a way apart, aren't they? Uh, on a slightly different kind of route yeah, south yeah, of, yeah. of Lee. We had, to, we had to get a bus, didn't we, bros? We did in Stockley, yes. So we, I we think, again, stop. Otley's not on the rail link, is it? No. No, no. no station but, but most buses out of Leeds West go to Otley, don't they, eventually? No, well, what we did, we went to Ilkley and then jumped on a bus from Ilkley to Otley. But we, do you remember, Bruce, we went via... Was Menston. It Men, Menston, that was surreal again, wasn't it? Walked miles to find a Samson's pocket. <laughs> and it, it, it had a tiki bar in it. <laughs> it did, yeah. It was really it, like, it, like, took, this was like three years ago, it took you back to the 1970s. There was like, a, it was like, a reeded roof to the bar area, wasn't it? And it was like a tiki bar. Yeah. And then we asked the locals where the shortcut back to the bus station was, and they were clueless. They didn't know. They never used it. Now, Otley, <laughs> Otley's been a little bit of a kind of a pathfinder, yeah, because they, quite early on, didn't they, got into saving pubs and heritage pubs and mm. set up almost a pub preservation society, which kind of... And I think with quite a lot of initially... Um, uh, whatever the word is, and and I think there's still a little bit of animosity because I think some of the landlords are a bit against it because you're a bit limited in what you can do, what you and you get you know people to and they've got this the historic Otley Ale Trail, but again for a little kind of markety town, there's a there's a lot of pubs. Oh, aye, immense. Like, yeah, you like beer and you, you like food and you like pies and you know proper. It's it's a hidden gem is Otley. I mean. Two other towns, like Malta, for example, make a huge fuss about being Yorkshire's food capital. Hotley would leave it absolutely standing. They've got fantastic butchers, that the pubs are great, there's fantastic bakers, they have a market on a Saturday. It's a proper solid town, isn't it? And it's just, you know, it's and I think just getting there, though, I see it's not on the railway route, which would, that would be the Yeah, but I say right? most buses out, if you're getting a bus that goes up Edinley Road and up past the rugby football cricket stadium, you'll get to Otley. And I think, really, let's be honest, I think Otley would be a, a, a mini two, wouldn't it? I wouldn't go in it. I think if you're going to Otley, no. just go to Otley. Because, mm. I mean, I'm just looking now on the beer trail. There must be 15 pubs on the beer trail. Mm. So you could probably spend a good afternoon, couldn't you? The junction was a a real stop-off for people, uh, especially football and rugby teams. The days gone by on a Saturday night. That's got a fantastic range of beers now, knowledgeable staff. uh, uh, And I think there's enough different difference in those pubs to find the one that, that suits you really that you know you like doing whether it's a bit more lively or more of a kind of a modern crafty bar place or more very traditional kind of Yorkshire pub I think you can find I was astonished when Weatherstones opened in Otley I thought if ever, if ever there's a town that doesn't need a Weatherstones it's Otley but uh, that's a way that is a wee Weatherstones it's bigger outside than it is inside they've got because is it is it the bowling green or something like that I think they've got a bowling green next door to it but they've got a massive great frontage and when we went in, it was surprising how small inside it was for a Weatherspoons like. Um, 
Because yeah, we, we sat outside. And again, I mean, some of those historic Otley pubs include Stew and Oyster, which I think we maybe argue with is a historic yeah. pub chain. Um, although they do have, they normally have a couple of different beers in there. Crack, I mean, nice building again, lovely building, which given the due, once again, they were the only company would take that building on, like they've done yeah. in Moulton, you know. And then in Ilkley, I've got I've got my list here. I've got the Flying Ducks, which, which, which we mentioned before, and I think we had a, a picture of yeah. on the YouTube clips of the Flying Ducks. Wharfdale. On the main yeah. road, isn't it? Um, yeah. Again, I, I guess again from the outside, it's not that big, but it's quite a nice, spacious pub. Uh, two rooms downstairs, room upstairs, nice fire, nice bar. Do all the Wharfdale beers there, which again are not that. I don't. They're not that common, are they? And probably no. that's the only place I've actually drunk them. And I, well, I like Wharfdale beer. Yeah, I like the best bitters and the Golden's nice. And then um, there's a. It's a funny place, locally because it's kind of it's quite a posh. I guess yeah. place at that end, and I think a lot of footballers live up on up on the hill there. Um, Bar Tat is uh, there's a Weatherspoon, which is okay, and just up from Weatherspoons is Bar Tat, which is a quite a modern. It's an old building, an old terrace. I don't know shop, I guess, but has been again quite well done out as a kind of cast craft bar. Again, that's got uh, a large upstairs and little rooms downstairs, and a good, really good range on. Um, well, from the Maggot Town Tavern, uh, yeah, yeah, it was the first first place in Ilkley off a real ale. I would have thought in it, bro. Yeah, I would say it's so. of 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 that era, as in you know, not just one guest pump, but we've got a full range on sort of thing. And again, but it was weird because it, it was never a traditional pub, so it, it, it always felt a little bit different. Really. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not a pub, is it? It's, it's a, I think it's probably we look at that row of picture they've got there. It's a, it's a shop that's been converted. Um, yeah. Last time we me we were there, Nick, weren't we for Twixmas and we went there New Year's Eve, times, and I think we yeah. had some quite quite nice beer. I, I yeah. remember them being quite a good rate, not not a massive range, just perhaps three or four beers on, and they're mm. all really good form. Um, mm. there's, there is a Friends of Ham in Ilkley, which again is interesting. Perhaps come back to that. I quite like that. I'm not quite sure these do do. Uh, that's a bit like a kind of tapas versus meets a British craft beer place, really. I've been to the one in Leeds near the station, and yeah. Mm. Okay, something different, isn't it? Yeah, but they do they do offer cast beers, and again, they're normally in pretty good form, and often again a local brewery. Um, so I think either of those are worth a trip. Really, Ilkley is probably best to do as a bit of a step up, maybe a trip out from Leeds. Um, now on that line on the way back, I'm just going back. I'm just looking back at that line, that Wharfdale line. Um, I don't think is there any other pubs on that line that we probably would would go into. So you've got Ben Ridding. Burley, there's a pub in good pub in Burley, isn't there? You mentioned Menson's not a good It's place. it's one of those that is open, it's closed, it's open, it's closed. It's yeah, it's it's one of those that you need to do your own work with really. Please want to knock off the Sam's Fist pub in Menston to say been there once. It, would it this this record is a walk though. It's, it's not next to the railway station. It's, it's a good yeah. walk. It's yeah. Menston's sort of like uh it's a linear commuter village now, although it is a traditional village. So you've got to walk out and say we had a good old walk down there, and uh, yeah, it was surreal, really. But once Sam Smith, that's the only problem with Sam Smith. Sometimes um, the, the 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 landlord, landlady, or the managers are here today, gone tomorrow, at the drop of a hat. So you need to be checking that it's open because there's no point walking all the way out there to suddenly find out there's no manager in the pub and it's closed for a week, two weeks, a month until they can find some else to go in there. And I should mention, well, if you're in Ilkley, you've got to go to Lichman's Butchers. Lichman's has a has a royal seal. It's a stunning, stunning butchers. They do the Yorkshire Champion sausages that uh, people travel miles to get. Um, you can get there, Lichman's. It's uh, and you like butchers and things. It's just absolutely amazing. The quality, the range of food, the presentation is just absolutely stunning, isn't it? Yeah. And there's a Betty's as well, Bruce. There is, yes, that's right. That's that's how you can tell it's an affluent place. 
if you go down that other the other kind of branches off towards Bradford, I think you get to Shipley, but Shipley and Saltair are quite close. And I think we probably should just get to Saltair rather than stopping Shipley. There is a I can't remember that we have been to a pub in Shipley, but we tend to go across to Saltair. We mentioned Fanny Fanny's Ale House, which we've talked about in uh, Saltair. And there's quite a few places in Saltair now, isn't there? Salt we went to Saltair Brewery Captain last time. We it's a bit of a walk again. Yeah, it mm. takes you down by the canal there and. To be honest with you, because it's once again, it's a modern brewery. Don't mind the beers at all, but it's just basically a. It's an, well, not an agricultural shed, but it's a, yeah. it's 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 a it's modern an industrial shed sort of thing. And you know, because it was, I think it was during week again when it broke. So there was always in there. There's no atmosphere, and we tried the beers, and yeah, we certainly didn't run around for a couple of hours, did we? Really, it's just a case of, right. We've done it. Let's head back to the station. You know, there's 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 more comfortable pubs and places to go on that particular day. I dare say there'd been a few more folks in there. It, we would have probably hung around a bit longer, but it was just a bit, yeah. Chippy Railway Station is interesting as well because it's uh, it's got two platforms miles apart, hasn't it? It's like a little triangular section and the car yeah. that most extraordinary. Uh, uh, there's nowhere, there's no brewery. There's not, not brewery. There's no tap. There was on, we might, there's maybe not an option there for us. Open up a tap at Shipley or <laughs> a Salt Air Station. Um, There's no statue of uh, Brian Mosley who played who played Alf Roberts in Coronation Street. <laughs> That's the claim to be. I like to see it just because I've seen it once. <laughs> Why there? He wasn't no, Yorkshire, was he? From. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He was a big, he was a big artist. You remember in uh, Get Carter, uh, Michael yeah. threw the man off the car park. That was Brian Mosley, Alf Roberts. All right. And I thought he came from Lytham St. Anne because that's where his house was. in Shipley, his most famous son, yeah. So on the other line out of Leeds we've talked about, and we mentioned before that often our plan is to get as far as you can then work backwards. So we've yeah. talked about Skipton a few times, um, which again is a lovely little town. Sheep town, I think Skipton is kind of, um, that's what it kind of translates as. And we mentioned that we've talked about a trip to get some pies there, I think in the last well, one of our podcasts previously. So I think my pubs that I would be recommending are the, uh, probably the Royal Shepherd is, well, I think we mentioned that one as well. That's on the canal side. Actually, if you're going to sit, yeah, if you're going to sit outside, I mean, once the Shepherd's changed hands so many times in the last three or four years, but I mean, they only have like two little bistro tables outside. You're sat in the cobbles, aren't you? And you've got to you've got to pull your ankles in if there's any cars coming. Yeah, but by. we've always sat on that that nice that nice bench as you go on the left hand side in the main bar. Yeah. Nice big bench seat yeah. there. And again, always have a good range of beers on in there, don't 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 they normally? Well, uh, I was I was looking up when camera. we first started going. Hartley's XB I used to drink in there. Right. Yeah. You remember Hartley's XB? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but by, by Robinson's. And then I think they we, still, I think they still brew it, but yeah, you get a lot of Hartley's beer in the Lake District, don't you? Like yeah, it's 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 brewed by Robinsons, and they kept that that particular one, and I think they got rid of all the other, but they still brew to the original recipe supposedly. So yeah, I remember Hartley's XP. Yeah, cracking brewery, brewery tour in uh, Stockport, you know, so the best in the country apparently, not too expensive. Better put that on the list again. That's another live, another live trip. Uh, Probably the busiest pub in Skipton is the Woolly Sheep. I think probably that's it's, it's on the bottom yeah. of the marketplace, isn't it? And quite again, quite an, an attractive pub. Lots of little rooms. Uh, that has got a nice beer. Yeah, big arm. Yeah, hasn't it? a really sun trap. And you get yeah. one. It gets quite busy though, and that's a Timothy Taylor's. So you tend mm. to get theirs plus maybe one or two guests. Uh, a newer pub is the Narrow Boat, which again I think was in that kind of wave of that yeah. first wave of newish pubs moving into non-traditional pub areas. And that's kind of just down the alley, isn't it, from the Woolly Sheep? Well, that's that. Is that Pivney, Brooks? 
No, it's Market Town Taverns. Again. Ah, Market Town Taverns. Is it? Right. It's pretty much in their style, uh, stripped out. Yeah. Great range of beers, kept fantastic. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. lacking a bit of atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And then nice blackboard. They always have a decent blackboard that you can read. You can see the prices, what they've got on, which I like about some pubs. Because once again, you know, sometimes you walk in a pub, you're not quite sure what you're going to pay. And sometimes it's like, hang on, you know, four quid's a bit steep for a real ale, like, you know. Uh, but in there, straight away, you can see what they've got on. You're not having to crane your neck because, you, you know, you get a few regulars sat at the bar as well. You can't quite see what the pump clips are. You stand between them. You put your neck between them, looking at you to say, what's your game like, you know. Uh, so a decent blackboard, beers up on there, prices, ABVs as well, how strong they are, which is always you got to take into account when you've had seven or eight. Um, so, yeah, I like the narrowboat because of that. I like the castle tavern right next say, to You the mentioned castle. the castle, yeah. I really like there. that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very well-maintained um, pub. I think it's been, uh, it's been a award-winning pub as well, is it? Great range of beers. Little tables close together, real uh, wonderful warm feeling to it, isn't there? It's quite mm. and again, it's one of those pubs where if, you, if you're going to go there, try and go on market day. Exactly, it's yeah. one of these things where the market stretches all the way up, doesn't it? Either side of the main road, yeah. And again, it's a huge market, probably bigger than Ripon or First. And as, I, I guess you do get a lot of people coming in, um, so a lot of the farmers and, and families come in for market day still. Um, and so the pubs are quite lively, but you know, in a nice way. Uh, and you get to see a bit of life, and you do get kind of, you know, the Yorkshire Shepherdess kind of coming down with 18 kids and a couple of sheep, probably, and, <laughs> and it is that, it is quite nice. And uh, if you want to do the cultural thing, the castle is actually at the end of the high street. Yeah. And it's, and it's got a lot of town, history. I think it's the most intact castle of its kind in terms of its roof. Uh, it's still got a roof on it, predominantly the biggest pit of the castle. And again, um, so and that, that's that's next to the castle vaults, isn't it, Bruce? And then the pie shop across the road, like got, so. It's got the canal. It's got a bit of everything, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's quite, and obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, on the edge of the Yorkshire Dales as well. Um, and then there is a weather spoon, the Devonshire, which again is a, actually, I think that is a, that was a hotel. Mm. Uh, and Devonshire, I think, is the name of the family that have the cat's castle. Uh, that's a really, I mean, I remember that's been a huge weather speed as well. But again, um, I think last time we went in there, they had a good range of beers. And yeah, if you really always have local beers in there, energetic Nick, they could always do what we did, which, which, which was walk from Ilkley to Skipton um, oh, over the top yeah. there. Uh, it's probably yeah. about a seven, eight mile walk. We did it on a mm. winter's, lovely winter's day, um, fantastic views. Mm. And and you end up virtually outside the Weatherspoons, and it's a it's yeah. kind of an old drover's road, isn't it? And most of it is you walk along the drover's top road. top of the ridge, drover's yeah. road, plus I think a bit of a Roman road in there as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, uh, that's so, yeah. So yeah, doing as well. So Skipton's definitely a place. It's one of those places that people might not think about, and it's I guess it's a bit of a kind of way out from you know the big York, etc. But well worth a little visit, as we said. It's got a bit of everything. But mm. I think for all of these, do have a look on the market towns, and I think there was a North Yorkshire markets where you could just check. On markets on as well right we, we've talked about Keithley a lot so I'll, I'll probably just just quickly catch up with Keithley and I mentioned Bronte Land Howarth because you can't get the steam train and uh, certainly for us in the very early days and for those on YouTube there, were, there, were, there are some very very um, old pictures of me I think that's probably out with Bruce outside a couple of Keithley pubs and we are I'm eating a pie in one of them outside uh. the arms we mentioned that with our um, uh, Stonewash jeans as well. Look at them, eh? jeans. Um, <laughs> and the Gooding Rat, which is no more, which is which was always a cracking pub. Um, again, it was a pub always a bit. I don't know, Bruce. Always a bit risque going in there. Could had a, an interesting clientele, and it was either very quiet or full of people. The first ever pubs that was kind of um, 
owned by a collective of camera members. If that's I remember right. Correctly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And loads but of hand it, pumps. Then it had like a nightclub around the back as well, though, didn't it? <laughs> as you walk through. Yeah. A bit like the Rook and Gaskell. Always reminded me of the Rook and Gaskell in York. Very similar kind of long, thin pub, I guess. With, with, when he, and they say, um, we've mentioned the Bolt Makers, which is probably our first choice in Keith Lee. Uh, yeah. The Volunteers Arms was another pub that we often, I think that's still... Lovely, right yeah. no, no, not last time me and Bruce went in there. <laughs> and no, that's yeah. probably on its last leg. So I guess it's the cricketers, but I think Keith Lee's unfortunately a little town that is just has, you know, typical uh, former industrial town that has really suffered a lot of demise, hasn't it? Um, and he's on probably on its kind of, you know, whatever, hind legs at the moment. Uh, Weatherspoons... Once again, interesting. They actually acquired one traditional property and then they've managed to buy the one next door. They've completely ripped it out and they've created a massive glass-covered beer garden. Wow. So I've not been in it since they've done that, but I went in it before and it was all right. Pretty nondescript inside. But the side that the, the, I've been passing the car now and seen it, and I say they've literally taken one block and just created a sort of like, undercover beer garden there so that would be quite impressive I'd think but I say I've never actually not been in there yet and I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think last few times we've been to be honest we've, we've only just nipped out gone to the ball maker then got back to get on the train yeah. to go to Howard yeah. to be honest with you we must look at the cricket arms next time we go so I think it's still open yeah so the sign's still there we've not been in for a lot of years yeah. and again I've never we have been on a, on a tailor's tour so that might be something else we should do and I understand their tap's quite nice as well so yeah. I think probably that's one of the ones we need to go and revisit isn't it and, and remiss and go this back on that pop the train at Oxford there's a pub there isn't there and, yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely definitely suggest if you're up that way get on the steam train uh, if you and again check try and get on the steam train around the diesel train which they sometimes run go up to Howarth do a bit of Bronte walking again Howarth's a bit one of those um Famous streets. Um, you, you, it's not actually the street they use in the old always had about, but it's very similar. It cobbled, very steep. Um, a really interesting array now of shops and, and uh, include a couple of bottle shops. Uh, and I would say pick any pub, really. They're all pretty much the same in Howard, aren't they? There's a Timothy Taylor's pub halfway up yeah, the hill. Yeah, one at the top. Two pubs at the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the hotel at the bottom, which we've been in before. Yeah, so that's worth, that? worth yeah. going to as well. Checking the train's got the, got the real ale on as well, yeah. Well, I think the steam one tends to have that on. So I say yeah. I would just try and check. And obviously, unfortunately, they don't open the steam trains all year round because that, that must be a volunteer in the main, isn't it? Most oh, yeah. guys that work on that are volunteers with a small... Those stations are so well kept, though. I mean, they're yeah. absolutely fantastic. So that's been a bit of a whistle-stop tour. What I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and write all those pubs down um, and perhaps put them uh, on the kind of pub page. So again, if anybody is thinking or would like to go there, just our recommendations really. And uh, if again, time allows at some point, we might just try and extend that a little bit and just give a little bit more information about those um, uh, to work it through. So the plan next week is we're going to look at Holland East Riding and have a think about the kind of, again, things that uh, just recommend a few places there as well. So I think that's probably about it because I'm sure we've gone over the hour mark again. So just a reminder, if you could, Night. please leave us a review somewhere. Uh, we're available on Podbean, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Podcasts. And we're also available on YouTube. Again, if you get a chance to look at YouTube, we have a few pictures that we that we kind of look at. Helps keep us on track, really. Um, some photos, etc. So again, if you do get a chance to look at the YouTube channel, which is uh, Malt Travail. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's Malt underscore Ale. So I think, gents, that's probably it. So happy Valentine's Day for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, hope you're going to uh, shower your dearest and lovely. Uh, 
I think Fine. rugby's on again, isn't it? Rugby's on. Sarah Roche for a fiver. There was six pounds in it. So I oh, well, I've ordered a nice bottle of Mason's gin for my missus coming from a good bit of Yorkshire gin. They're doing a raspberry one, so that's coming tomorrow. <laughs> right, 30 quid in Morrison's at the moment. Uh, it was 30 quid delivery, so that, I thought that was pretty good. Oh, that's all right, yeah. That yeah. was all right. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, so we will see you in the next podcast, which will be episode episode five. Oh. Cheers. So, cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care.